Welcome to DeFi by Design, where we talk all things blockchain and cryptocurrency, while striving to educate, empower, and enrich. Welcome back to the DeFi by Design podcast brought to you by The Rollup, a media and education company that provides high-quality, actionable insights and information on all things Layer 2s, Rollups, DeFi, scaling solutions, new protocols, juicy alpha, and insightful research. We're excited to share with you the latest trends and development in the DeFi space so you can stay informed and ahead of the curve. Without further ado, we will jump right into this episode with a brief update on some of our current sponsors. Buffer Finance is a non-custodial, exotic options trading platform built to trade short-term price volatility and hedge risk of high leverage positions. They are a leader in the arbitrum charge taking over on layer twos and totally understand the potential of blockchain technology and how it's transforming the finance industry. They are proud to support DeFi by design. If you're looking for a platform to trade short-term options, look no further than Buffer Finance. With their innovative tech, easy to use platform, they're at the forefront of the options tech in Arbitrum. Visit their website, buffer.finance, and take a look at all their options. ZKX is a leader in the decentralized derivative DEX market on StarkNet. StarkNet is a cutting edge technology built to help scale Ethereum using ZK rollups. They understand the potential of scaling, blockchain tech, and how it's going to change the world of leverage trading. ZKX protocol is happy to be on testnet and will be on mainnet very shortly. Check out ZKX protocol on Twitter, as well as on Crew3 to get more information about what's going on on StarkNet. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to DeFi by Design, episode number 105. Uh, in alignment with our name, The Rollup, we're here today with Alex, the co-founder of ZK Sync slash Matter Labs. Um, they're building out a really, really cool ecosystem, uh, a ZK Rollup that is now live, has some really cool projects and TVL growing there. This is kind of a part of a, a broader educational initiative that we're pushing forward here at the Rollup, really trying to understand the impact of ZK technology. So today's episode, you can expect tons of really interesting takes from Alex about ZK Rollups, uh, the innovations that this tech enables, what they're building at ZK Sync, um, some fun uh, conversations that, that we had in Paris, uh, as well as some of the impacts that we're trying to make here in the broader DeFi space. So yeah, good morning, Rob. What's up, man? Um, where are you calling in from? How are you doing? Good morning. Good morning. It's another beautiful day in Florida. Um, been hopping around a little bit behind this virtual background. I'm in a new spot, so that's uh, exciting. And uh, yeah, we've just been we've just been like leveling up consistently, which has been really really fun. Um, it's like the market conditions have shaken out like all of the weak minds, which I think is is a fun consequence of uh, the recent market conditions. So all that's left is gigabrains. Um, which is which is really really cool, really interesting, and uh, we have one here today, Alex. Absolutely, uh, pleasure to talk, um, and welcome to the roll up. It's my pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me. Cheers, man. So so let's let's dive into it. Like um, maybe uh, a good place to start um, is from the beginning, right? So like so I would be interested to know like what your origin story is. Like where where did you come from? Why why did you uh, dive into building a, a protocol, a layer one. Um, maybe we can touch on the FAT protocol thesis, if that's something that you hold near and dear to your heart. Um, and and kind of like, what what is your what is your motivations? And and why are you really what why are you building the the thing that you're building, zk Sync? Um, to me, blockchains in general are a really interesting intersection of technology, math, and and uh, programming. Um, business ideas and kind of the this potential to transform society in ways that can bring more freedom more equality more power distribution to the people and you can imagine this venn diagram with these three circles intersecting that's that's the world of blockchains and those were really like all three things that brought me in there from um technology I, my background is in, in uh, computer science and software engineering uh, I have been co-founder of a couple of startups uh, in my past life. Um, uh, it's really interesting what blockchain can do to the, um, you know, to overall the world of value. The like how it can extend internet with a layer that brings uh, everything really like that touches value from finance, but also to like tickets and, and invoices and all, all these things. Uh, on the uh, on the internet in in a much more composable way, 
Uh, but what, what's really the core for me, this, this idea that blockchain can improve freedom, and this is the mission of ZK-Sync, to advance freedom for the world using this technology. And the, to me, it, it's uh, really important because I was born in a very unfree place. I was born in the Soviet Union, in, in Soviet Ukraine. I grew up shortly after the collapse of these like, massively centralized uh, um, state with uh, a lot of institutions collapsing and not being functional. And I have seen the impact on the society. And I realized that the more freedom you have at every level, at the, at, at the national level, at, at individual organization, at, at any kind of group, uh, the better off this group is going to be on, 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 on average. So like for me, it's all of that. And uh, why blockchain, why roll-ups? Why, why ZK Sync is a roll-up and, and not a layer one? Uh, we have to look at what's the core value proposition of crypto. And to me, it's decentralization, trustlessness. And we have spoken, we, we recently published a manifesto of values and, and mission statement for ZK Sync community, a ZK Sync project called the ZK Credo. We go in, in, in detail, like in a very specific manner about the properties that we want to see preserved in the blockchain. And so this decentralization trustlessness is something that, that, that's really the core job of a layer one. The main purpose of a layer one is to create the most decentralized, the most resilient, the most inclusive infrastructure for, uh, for blockchains. And I think Ethereum has done that to the by far better degree than anyone else. And it's, it would be really, really hard to compete with Ethereum on that because it's not just about technology and about the ability to have like tens or hundreds of thousands of nodes, of validators, of, of full nodes that just verify the chain. But it's also about the community and it's about the decentralization of the stakeholding, you know, like the, with the distribution of the uh, Ether, uh, uh, token around the world, uh, geographic distribution, uh, distribution of like a mind share of businesses of, uh, of individuals around it. So like, it, it would not be possible. But Ethereum has a problem of scalability. It's obvious that the technology that, that the layer one is using, and it, it has been obvious to everyone for the past five years, and it was obvious to Vitalik where he came up with, with Ethereum's roll-up centric roadmap. Uh, this core technology, since you focus on decentralization above, like in the, you prioritize it above everything else, you can really do other things as, as good. And this is where rollups come into play. And we can deliver scale and we can deliver other properties that uh, layer one cannot directly have, such as privacy, for example, with, with, with zero knowledge proofs. Um, and rollups are the only technology, the only approach which we have that can scale layer one without violating the, without destroying its, its core value proposition. So we have two types of rollups, optimistic and ZK. I'm uh, obviously biased because I'm building a ZK rollup, but I started building it because I believe that ZK is, is the, the most magical, the most interesting transformational technology for, for the coming decade uh, or, or even more. Uh, the, the properties, the superpowers it, it gives you, enables in the rollup, are unbelievable. And, and so like we can talk about them in, in, in more depth, but that in the, that gives us the ability to reach the uh, the holy grail of scaling, uh, which we can define as mass adoption, where anyone in the world can have access to blockchains in a uh, inclusive, easy, accessible, affordable manner, where every transaction is like negligibly cheap and you can do whatever you want better than than you can do in the internet and easier with greater ux but most importantly with preserving your sovereignty over your assets self-custodiality and full freedom to do what you want this is why we're here yeah it's base uh, if you had to describe zk rollups or zk in a couple sentences for somebody who'd never heard of it how would you do it i can try it's a um so we we have to make a step back uh, Ethereum embraces modular approach to its architecture. You can imagine an architecture like any kind of monolithic architecture will suffer from um, inflexibility in its design. So if you want to build something modular, you know, like you don't build a Boeing 737 by by making a single uh, drawing of all of its parts, right? You decompose it into subsystems. 
you say like, okay, we have wings, we have engines, we have avionics and so on. And you have different teams working on those different subsystems and then you combine it all together. Uh, the uh, Ethereum has chosen the same way. I think it's the, the, the wisest way possible to build scalable, uh, uh, fast growing, fast developing um, infrastructure technologically. And uh, rollups add a layer of scaling computation and storage. So what rollups do is instead of submitting all the transactions on layer one, we bundle transactions together in blocks off-chain. And then we, we, we do some pre-processing. We compute the cryptographic commitment to the state, which, um, which we uh, uh, get after applying all the transactions in this block. And we only submit one single hash on layer one, which corresponds to this new state, which is a, like we call it cryptographic commitment. Whenever you change anything, even one bit in the state, this, this hash will completely change and it's not possible to fake because it's cryptographically strong, collision resistant and, and pre-insurance resistant hashing. And uh, with this one, one hash, anyone who can observe this hash on layer one can, can work with this state, can make the next transition, can withdraw funds, can deposit funds. Uh, but the, the, uh, the state is actually held off-chain in a much more scalable way. So we derive the settlement properties from Ethereum, the finality from Ethereum, and rollups also, unlike other scaling approaches attempted in the past, rollups share all of the information about this, the um, uh, kind of necessary to reconstruct the state of the new block through the Ethereum network. So we, we use Ethereum as a data availability network, not as a storage network, but as data availability. So we only use it to make the, the, the new state available, inform everyone about like what, what's changes in this block. And so having those two properties, relying on Ethereum for, for fi finality, uh, relying on Ethereum for data availability, and, and, and also a third property, which is going to complete this picture, is relying on Ethereum for the validity of the transactions. How do we make sure that the, this new state, which we commit, is actually valid, that we followed all the rules of smart contracts of the signature verification of everything which is happening in this new state. And so, and this is the, the magic part which rollups perform. Like how do you do this verification easier, cheaper, or at least cheaper for, from, from the perspective of full nodes on Ethereum than if you do it directly on, on Ethereum. And to explain that, uh, we can remember that whenever you send a transaction on Ethereum, it will be replayed by all full nodes because we have this maximal don't trust verify. So you have to re-verify every single transaction. And that doesn't scale. Because if you have like 10 like or 1,000 times more and more users and 1,000 times more nodes, you will have to do 1 million times more work, which is unsustainable. So we call it quadratic complexity of n square, mathematical terms. And, and this, this would just go quickly grow beyond anything uh, feasible to, to actually practically implement scalability. So what we do with the rollups is we, 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 we kind of like... I will, I, will, I will not speak about optimistic rollups now. They, they do it in a peculiar way, but uh, with ZK proofs, with ZK rollups, we have one entity compute something called the proof, like the, compute the SNARK, a proof of computational integrity for this entire block. So one entity makes a little bit more work than everyone else would do individually to just natively compute this, uh, the new state. But then they produce this succinct proof that, you know what, this new state is actually like valid and we completely followed all of the operations, all of the functions that we wanted to execute. And then we send this short proof to Ethereum and we let it be verified by a smart contract, which is the gatekeeper of this new state. And once these, this snark, this, this zero knowledge proofs is verified, uh, they, only then will the smart contract on Ethereum allow the state transition to happen. So. What, what, what this means practically is we do much less work and it, it scales almost linearly with the number of users, like the, the amount of work, just like if you have 1,000 times more transactions, you'll have to do 1,000 times more work, not 1 million times more work. But every single full node, every single validator on Ethereum still practically verifies all of these transactions that happened there, even though they are doing like just a fixed amount of operations on chain and you, you only pay a fixed price for, for this verification, uh, which 
is borderline magic to me. Like this is why zero knowledge proofs have been called like magic moon math because it's it, it, it's a bit counterintuitive how can, you can achieve that, but it's actually not as complex. And there are many really nice tutorials meanwhile, which go in and can give you some intuition on how this works mathematically. Yeah, and so that enables tons of new innovations on ZK Sync and for all ZK rollups. Talk to us a bit about how that that technology enables innovations that may not be possible on Absolutely. You know, other chains. So we'll start with the sheer scale that will be possible once the, we reach the full maturity of the ZK rollups. Um, to, to 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 talk about full scale, we'll like. We will. We can. We can talk separately how we reach this full scale because it's not trivial and it requires one more step. And we can talk about it. Speaking about zk stack, but imagine that you can have it. Uh, you know, like today on Ethereum, you can process twenty transactions per second. Imagine you can process hundreds of thousands of transactions per second without losing any of the properties that make Ethereum Ethereum. Uh, what you can do? Well, and, and each of the transaction is like really cheap. It's like a fraction of a cent to, to, to compute it, or maybe like one cent if it's like really highly secure transaction. You can finally afford to bring real world users to uh, to the systems without fearing that you will bring the network to its knees and it will just collapse once you have you know, like huge, like one million people mint an NFT or, or like a lot of people on board to DeFi and start using it, or like everyone just switches to payments for payments to, to blockchain, and then you, you can replace credit cards with blockchain payments, which are much cheaper because you only pay a fixed amount per transaction and not some percentage, which is way beneficial to the merchants and to the consumers. So like just this, 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 this scale um, is one thing. The other thing which is possible then with, with specifically with ZK rollups implemented in the right way is privacy. Now, privacy is kind of possible in Ethereum today. We had some protocols that, that already deployed on Ethereum that, that supported privacy, like the Adstack protocol or the infamous Tornado Cache, which was banned for political reasons. But like the, I, I think those, it will be solved and we'll, we'll find ways to you know, like both make regulators happy and also preserve the true privacy for the users. But it was working, right? Like you could like have perfect privacy, mathematically like perfect obfuscation of all the transactions of all the, like no one could learn any facts from, from the transactions on chain. Well, it was incredibly expensive. You have to pay like hundreds of dollars uh, to interact with Tornado Cash. And uh, even if, even with like something like optimistic rollups where you have to put all of the data for each transaction on chain, you like it would be still relatively expensive. ZK rollups, can allow you to make the privacy transactions as cheap as as any normal transfer, because you don't have to publish the the data. You only have to verify it recursively, and recursive verification these days is is costing close to nothing. Like it's it's negligible compared to to the cost of transaction. So you get scale, you get privacy, uh, and then basically you, we just fulfill the full potential of, of blockchains. You can do whatever we were we're going to build on this technology just at huge scale when you mentioned the the recursive uh nature of recreating these transactions that sounds like a fundamental difference between zk rollups and optimistic rollups so you also mentioned that that the data to recreate these proofs is available on ethereum so how how do zk rollups uh achieve this scale whereas optimistic rollups do not achieve this scale this is a great question so like uh, let me let me formulate it more precisely uh we don't publish the data for reconstructing the proofs or re-verifying the proofs or re-verifying transactions themselves in fact the architecture of zk sync specifically and here we differ from all the other zkvm projects that are currently in existence uh, the only other ZK rollup that follows this approach is StarkNet. Um, we publish the state diffs. So we don't publish any of the inputs of transactions. We only publish the final changes in the state. Like we touch these storage slots. So the new value of the storage slots is X and we only publish that. So we can discard all of the inputs. You can have a very large input, which can contain a lot of things. Like you can have account abstraction and all the parameters of account abstraction and some like custom signature scheme which you sign from your mobile phone, which maybe like is large. 
you can uh, specify some preconditions, post conditions, some security things. All of that will be taken as an input of this transaction, will be processed by the rollup, but it will be discarded. Like it, you don't have to publish it on, on chain because it, it's not directly going into the, the, the state changes. The state changes will be only derived from what, what you actually accomplish. If you make a trade, make a swap of a token, then you, like you, you subtract the balance of the first token and you add the balance of the second token. And you only have to post this to final storage uh, updates, maybe like the update of your nodes, right? So by doing this, we get some, some really, really interesting property. We can now decide whether we want to publish data availability 100% on Ethereum for all accounts, or maybe we want to split our accounts in the valuable ones, like in you know, like super valuable ones, where you have hold a lot of money, maybe like DeFi protocols, maybe users' savings accounts where they hold all or like most of their savings, and uh, you can create a, a different account type, which let's call it like validium account. Uh, in 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 our like we work on on an architecture called zk Porter, which implements that, and those accounts can be used for things that are less important like you you still get the full benefits of the validity proofs so all the transactions touching those accounts are verified by ethereum so you cannot fake anything you cannot violate the rules of smart contracts but maybe you have oracle contract there that you know like if the, the data disappears nothing bad will happen to this account or maybe you have some small account which you're only using for testing or like you you just want to play around with blockchain you want to create something or maybe it's a game where like it's it the state is still like fairly centralized. So you just want users to have like rules of the games enforced, but not uh, like the, 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 the tokens or the NFTs there are not, not as critical. So then you could use the, the, this Validium or ZK Porter type uh, of account for this, uh, which has slightly less security. Like the, secure, the, the only difference in security is that for, for this Validium accounts, you don't have 100% of, of data availability guarantees from Ethereum. So potentially data could become unavailable if the validators are malicious, right? But for those use cases, it does not matter as much. And these transactions can be way cheaper. Like today on all the rollups, if you look at the prices, the fees for transactions are in the range of like several dozen cents, right? Like from 30 cents to $1 to like a few dollars, they fluctuate with Ethereum gas price. The higher the gas price, the, the, the more you pay. Why they fluctuate? Why are they bound to Ethereum gas price? Because the bulk of these costs is going to Ethereum for data availability. So all rollups on Ethereum share the same bottleneck, the same uh, bandwidth of data availability available uh, for, for the rollups. And even if we extend it, and there are plans to extend it with EAP4844 to make, make this, this space larger, it's still going to be limited. And we'll, we'll always hit this limit and the price will, will always go up. So if we want to build a system that, that can scale limitlessly, just like the internet, where you can, like, you're not inherently limited by a single amount of uh, servers, right? You can always add more servers, more data links, more, more connectivity, and, and you can grow, like accommodate any number of users or transactions of data volume. We want the same thing in the world of blockchains and specifically with Ethereum. And so the way to achieve that would be to have many different rollups, many different systems deployed in a way where users can select where they want to, to host the data for their specific account. And so coming back to the difference between ZK and, uh, and optimistic rollups, in the world of ZK, we can build those systems, like on, in, the, in the ZK sync ecosystem, we call them hyperchains. And we can make them seamlessly connected to each other regardless of where the data availability is stored. Like for both rollup and, and ZK Porter accounts on any of these hyperchains can seamlessly interact fully trustlessly with minimal costs, without, without like with, with the same costs as, as the transaction on your hyperchain with any other account on any other hyperchain. So you can think of it as the email system where you have, I have my email like Alex at MetaLabs. You have Robbie at rollup.co, you, know, like you have Andy at Gmail. I can send email from any address on any of those domains to any address on any other domain in exactly one click. 
doesn't cost me more. You know, I don't have to do more work. If it costed some money, like I, I would just pay the same amount as, as sending it within MetaLabs, within Gmail and so on. This is what we can build with, with the ZK rollups. So this is the biggest transformation of ZK rollups compared to the optimistic rollups. With optimistic rollups, you can have a multi-rollup ecosystem. It's actually beneficial because in optimistic rollups, all the users of a rollup are expected to revalidate the transactions. If you're not doing that, you still rely on someone else for security. It, it's not, it's not how it's intended to scale. Like if you, if you if you use rollups for scaling, someone has to do the work, and like a lot of users have to do the work, and, and at least one of them has to be honest for for optimistic rollups, right? So so it has some merit, but the inter interoperability between those independent sovereign rollups will take like six days or seven days for trustless messages to to arrive there. And you cannot extend the space for um, the, the, the address space, the account space with this off-chain uh, extension, which would then seamlessly be interoperable with all the other rollups. It's it, it just like fundamental limitation of the architecture. And this is why uh, it's obvious to me that long-term we will only have ZK rollups. Like optimistic rollups are really, really important now because they launched earlier, they provided relief to Ethereum, they saved Ethereum from like users migrating to other like Ethereum killers, uh, other chains for being like, because it, it would be way too expensive to transact on Ethereum. So it's, it's great that they're there, but they will eventually have to migrate and, and like embrace the ZK technology or just disappear. Do you think they will <laughs> eventually have to migrate to the same sort of architecture where you split up like larger accounts and smaller accounts into into Validium accounts? I think so. You think I, I think okay. I, I just I don't know if that's feasible because that, that's a lot of work. If you don't put this architecture in from the beginning, it's gonna be really hard to migrate. So like but you can always migrate the users from one rollup to another, right? So we we'll see like what how this will work, but like we have this architecture from the beginning. And it was not trivial to, to build to, to to make it there from the beginning. Taking a quick commercial break here to tell you guys about our lovely sponsors. Right before we get back to this fascinating discussion, we have a message from our current sponsors. Here we go. I want to take a moment to introduce you to our sponsor, Premia Finance. Premia is a native options protocol that offers market-driven pricing and capital-efficient returns for traders and liquidity providers. With Premia, you can trade options on a variety of different crypto assets. Well, what sets Premium apart is its unique pricing mechanism, which is based on the market's expectation of future volatility. This means that options prices are always in line with market conditions, which provides traders with the most fair and transparent pricing. Recently, Premium has just launched their Options Academy, where you can learn for free how to become a proficient options trader. Uh, feel free to check it out at premium.finance, um, hedge your risks or amplify your positions um, to earn more capital efficient returns on premium finance. Thank you. And another exciting sponsor to introduce you is Plan of Finance. I've recently uh, on, been onboarded as an advisor for Plan of Finance, which is one of the first self-custodial wallets to support account abstraction. With Planet Finance, you can revolutionize your crypto experience and take control of your assets like never before. Say goodbye to the hassle of managing multiple wallets. Hello to a seamless, user-friendly experience. Planet Finance allows you to easily manage your assets, swap tokens, and earn rewards all in one place on your mobile phone. They have an app in the Apple App Store as well as in the Google Play Store. Uh, with Planet Finance's self-custodial wallet, you hold the keys to your assets, ensuring the highest level of security and privacy. With tons of cool features like gasless trading, um, interesting yield competitions, and cool NFTs, there's an amazing amount of effort going into building this app that already has tens of thousands of users. So what are you waiting for? Download Planet Finance today and experience the future of crypto wallets. Yeah, I think on this point of um, uh, interoperability between uh, these hyper chains within the kind of the ZK sync or the ZK stack, uh, you, you get to a question about uh, interoperability with shared liquidity um, and kind of how they interoperate with each other. And there's two concepts there that I think um, our audience would like to hear about, which is understanding what shared sequencers are and understanding shared provers and the pros and cons of kind of the centralization of a prover 
um, mm-hmm. you know, or, or of a sequencer in the current ecosystem. So if you could start at the bare bones level of what sequencers and provers are, and then kind of walk us through the vision that you have for uh, this interoperability inside of the ZK stack with shared sequencers and shared provers. So you kind of have these, these chains that are different and could have, you know, could be L3s, L4s to the nth power, but can all kind of share liquidity and share the same experience within the ZK stack. Absolutely. So like, let's start with the basics. A sequencer is simply any entity or any like mechanism that that bundles transactions together for a rollup and then submits these big batches on layer one. It can be a centralized entity, like just a one single server. It can also be a decentralized thing with a consensus running off chain, which collects transactions with, across multiple validators, and then they they use BFT kind of style consensus to decide what what's the uh, state of this uh, block is going to be. Um, so all the rollups today basically use the centralized sequencers because they were easier to implement. And we uh, most rollups have plans to transition to decentralized ones. At ZKSync, we're working on the decentralization of the sequencer for a long time, and we, we will soon publish the first uh, uh, results. On, like we, we will have a contest net for everyone to try. Like it, it's, it's core to our mission. It's core to ZK Credo. We, we, like we will not stay centralized. Um, uh, sequencer for for a long time. Uh, so that's the sequencer. Now, zk rollups after you publish or like after you produce, they bundle the transactions together in this block. You, someone needs to generate the zero knowledge proof for this block, which is a quite computationally intense operation. Again, like this is the job of the prover. The prover proves that the block is valid. It can be a centralized prover running in the cloud on AWS or Google or Baidu or wherever, could run on your personal hardware, on your GPUs, or it can be a decentralized one where the, the work is distributed to multiple entities and they, you, you collect the result and you recursively combine the proofs until you get one final proof of the entire block. Uh, again, we, we, we start with this uh, more centralized version of the, uh, of the prover and we will transition towards more decentralized version. And the, it, it's very obvious to us that eventually everything has to be decentralized. This is why the new proof system, we, we are, I mean, the, the new implementation of the proof system we recently announced called Bujam uh, is optimized for decentralized proving. We have a GPU implementation that can work with consumer grade GPU hardware, which requires only 16 gigabytes of RAM in the worst case, we can even tune it down to six gigabytes. So like it, 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 it can run on basically any GPU on any like gaming machine or, or MacBook or um, anywhere in the uh, GPU mining rigs that were previously used for mining Ethereum and so on. So, so this is the, the, the prover. Now, um, the, the, uh, the question was about shared sequencer. The shared liquidator. Yeah, the shared sequencer and shared prover to facilitate the interoperability that you speak of? Yes. So let's start with shared liquidity. In order to have shared liquidity between rollups, you need to have, uh, you need to design them in a certain way so that you have this trustless messaging passing from, from each of them to e- e- each other. And you need to manage the token storage, the token treasury of the, of the rollup in a certain way. Like if you split the treasuries between two rollups, let's say if you, you have, you have like completely two separate rollups, like ZK Sync and I don't know, like some something else, some some other ZK rollup or optimistic rollup on Ethereum, we will store the assets, the native assets of uh, coming from Ethereum in two separate contracts on layer one. One will have all the assets locked for ZK Sync, the other half all the assets locked for this other rollup. And so we cannot talk, like, there is no way to have shared liquidity. In order to bridge something from one rollup to the other, we'll have to pass a message. And even if the other rollup trusts the message and says, like, oh, I trust the Sync's implementation, and I trust its governance uh, and upgradability protocol to, 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 to be perfect, to be not compromised, they still cannot do much because the, the money is still locked in the ZKSync base contract. So we'll somehow need to get this ETH or other tokens over to the other rollup. For some tokens, it's, it's easier to do, like for USDC, for example, because it's managed centrally. They can easily centrally mint and burn 
protocol uh, you know, like assets on different chains, this will work. But for native assets, native assets are hugely important. Like Ether itself is the most critical asset in the Ethereum ecosystem and you cannot, it, it has to remain native. It's the, the, the whole point of DeFi is that Ether is used as native collateral, which does not depend on any centralized entities. And to, to move Ether, we would have to make a transaction on layer one and, and this will create a bottleneck of scalability and there is no shared liquidity. So the shared liquidity can only be within ecosystems. Like on ZK Sync, there will be a network of hyper chains driven by ZK Stack um, within which the um, shared liquidity is present. Maybe other rollups will develop it. So, but we'll have this, this kind of closed ecosystems unless at some point we all agree on the standard for shared bridge and we kind of coordinate and maybe enshrine it in Ethereum itself. And then we share it all across all the ecosystem, which may be uh, potentially a future we, which we could reach, but like, I'm, I'm not sure that, that like, th this is certainly not a near future. This, this is like years away from, until like we, we, we could get to something like this because we need all the components of the system to ossify by that time. And we're doing a lot of development, like really active, like really uh, high frequency of innovation of, of cycles of upgrades and so on. So like not, not, not for, for, for soon. And I, I mentioned the ZK stack a couple of times, so I, I, I want to take a second to explain what it is. The ZK stack is simply the open source framework based on the code of ZK sync era, the, the first uh, rollup we deployed with like the first ZK EVM on Ethereum essentially, uh, that anyone can use to build their own hyperchain. So if you want to deploy your own, your own rollup, you can just take ZK stack and, and deploy it. It's, we currently are preparing it for, for like, um, um, we're bringing it in the form where anyone can do it uh, on, on their own. For now, the, the, it might be a, a bit complicated, like this, some uh, things in, like some parts of the code are not as easy to, to work with independently, but we're running a pilot project with a number of, um, uh, with, like, in, we're running pilots with a number of projects to experiment with ZK stack and bring it into full production form within a couple of weeks from now. So if if uh, the audience is interested, just reach out to us. Uh, we have contact on zksync.io uh, and we'll talk to our BD team and, and we, we can make it work. But in, in, in the short term, it will be easy for anyone to just deploy it in one click. Uh, and the code is open source uh, from day one, fully permissionless under MIT Apache license. So anyone can use the code and it's, uh, everything we will ever do is going to be full open source under these permissive licenses. Now, shared sequencers. You asked about shared sequencers. Um, the like in the ecosystem of hyperchains, the liquidity can be shared seamlessly, and uh, the messages are trustless uh, and relatively fast, but they're still asynchronous, which means like one rollup can send a message or or some value or some message with value attached to it to another hyperchain. And it will relatively quickly, like within seconds or, or minutes, depending on, on, on configuration, it will reach the other chain destination will be, uh, the transaction will happen there. You can even program it to send some value back. So you as a user of like era chain could, for example, trade on a Uniswap specific chain and then just do one click send value, and then it comes back with a different token. You can imagine this, this kind of UX. Um, but it, it's asynchronous. So you cannot do things like flash loans. Flash loans must complete within one single transaction atomically. Either all of the steps of the transactions complete successfully, or all of them fail, but you don't have the first part executed and the second part failing. And the only thing to do things like this would be shared sequencers. So um, they would in, in, enable like seamless inter seamless composability across all the chains, like without any any asynchronicity. Uh, but I don't think that this is for everyone, because with shared sequencers you are giving up a lot of sovereignty. So like you essentially you give up your right to decide on your own how you're going to be handling MEV, how you're going to be handling transaction ordering, what you're going to be. Uh, optimizing your protocol for how you, you like, what's your fee model, how you're going to structure it, 
maybe what token you use to pay the fees, maybe what token you use to, to like manage the sequencer. You don't have control of, of all of that. You you just go into the, the sequencing layer and you just ask them to do it for you. So I think that this might be valuable for some protocols, especially for like for smaller startups that want to borrow this credible neutrality and decentralization from something more established and bottle tested. And I know of a couple of really smart teams working on uh, shared sequencing, like really, really uh, uh, strong people. Like I'm, I'm sure they will come up with uh, good results fast. Uh, but I think for some rollups, sovereignty is paramount. Like the ability to launch their own token for whatever reasons, the ability, the ability to control MEV flow or, or like to, to, to just innovate on the MEV and say, you know what, everyone is doing X, but I'm going to try the approach Y because like I believe that there should be no extractive MEV, so I'm just going to time lock to encrypt all, all the transactions. Or I, on the contrary, I want to extract maximum MEV and, and, and send it to my sequencer for the, for the treasure of the protocol. Or maybe like MEV problem does not apply to me at all. I just want a really, really fast sequencer with instant confirmations uh, from a centralized source because I, I'm doing high frequency trading. All of that freedom should be left with the users uh, or with the builders of, of those protocols. And so I think some of them will use it. Some, maybe most won't. Got it. So those builders are, are the users of ZK Sync. And like ZK Sync ha has its own network and its own chain. And there are there are apps that are deployed on zk sync and there's also the the builders who are building these hyperchains on top of the zk stack so zk sync era implies the existence of another era right is there is there like a second era or like is there a roadmap as far as like how zk sync is is on the path toward this hyperchain uh, universe or world? Oh yeah, absolutely. So zk sync era is just the name of the of this first base chain, the the first hyperchain that that we put in existence, uh, and it's a generic purpose chain. So like for, for most use cases, you probably don't need to launch your own rollup. You don't need to launch your own hyperchain. You just want to deploy on on the broadly decentralized, credibly neutral, uh, trustless platform uh, to. to which enables you to, to reach high scale, that is ERA. Like if you if you just want to deploy a DeFi protocol or NFT protocol or um, some interesting identity application, you can just do it on ERA. You don't have to wait for the hyperchains to arrive or you don't have to build your own. ERA is experiencing explosive growth. Like the, the numbers we see, like it's the most popular L2 on Ethereum for the past couple of months. With uh, uh, like when, on many days we exceed Ethereum's transaction volume we have, uh, uh, I think, the largest number of active data users. We have, we are third uh, largest uh, L2 by TVL, and TVL is growing. We have like, basically daily, like a number of protocols are deploying some interesting things on ERA. And we have not even yet unlocked all the features that that make, uh, you know, like that, that give you the full potential, the full superpowers of ERA. This is coming in the, in the next wave of, uh, of releases that will, will happen over the next couple of months. Uh, so the, there are some things though that, that make ERA distinct and unique, like for example, native account abstraction that is not currently present in any other protocols. Uh, you can use AP4337 on Ethereum and other rollups, but that does not work natively with MetaMask, for example. You cannot do tra gasless transactions for MetaMask users, you cannot let MetaMask users to pay in, in, for fees in, in different tokens and so on. You can do this on ERA. So it enables um, some really magic UX for uh, um, for a bunch of application uh, use cases, such as NFTs or e like wallet abstraction, um, smart wallets, and so on. So, but but yeah, like ERA will will be just growing on its own. Hyperchains are there for use cases that really require a separate chain. Like maybe you have a special community that, that wants to have its own chain for whatever reason, because this community is coalescing around that. Or maybe you have a, a special application that will benefit from an application-specific 
uh, roll up or an application specific validium. Maybe you are an enterprise or you're a bank and you are building, uh, you need privacy out of the box from the beginning. And so you, you like, you, you would opt in for validium, but you still want credible neutrality from Ethereum and processes from Ethereum. You can do all of that with hyperchains. And, and I think you, you, you started to, to drive home the point of, of the question that was not fully formed in, in my mind when I asked it. Like, we, we saw some, some L1s, especially in 2020. There was a lot of, like, layer ones that were created. And ultimately, a lot of those, those protocols that were deployed on layer ones, I, you know, they, they were almost carbon copies of other, of other protocols that were deployed on other chains. And we had this, this essentially like this, even, even EVM like side chains, there was almost like mm -hmm. this, this competition between side chains, whereas a lot of them could have maybe just been on the same chain and just been different apps on that chain. So I, Andy and I have talked about, about this at length, where it almost seems like we're repeating this part of the cycle, if, except this time it's L2s instead of side chains. And I'm curious whether or not, and, and that's part of the reason why I asked the question about like, why should someone deploy on ZK Sync era or, or deploy their own hyperchain from the ZK stack? Is it, and, and you started to answer that question as well. So is it, are we on the same path that we were on in 2020 when there was so many side chains and there was, there was starting to become competition? Is that necessarily a bad thing to recreate that competition with L2s? And do you, do you think, or may, like, I guess, what, why is someone, why, why is it beneficial for someone to launch their own chain from a ZK stack or, you know, a, even an OP stack? Why should someone take that leap and ultimately deploy their own chain instead of simply take the app and, and the protocol and deploy that on top of existing infrastructure on an existing chain? Um, so, yeah, I, I started to answer this question on the business dynamics. It, it, it's inevitable. Like it's, it's, it, it has happened in the beginning of the internet with like social networks where everyone would launch a social network for, for its own community. But with, with other kind of platforms, um, I think this is an important discovery phase where there will be this innovation and it will crystallize what works, what doesn't work. And for some cases, it really makes sense. For some other cases, it doesn't. I think the key where it makes more sense um, is the actual innovation. When you, when you do something different, like if you just launch the exact same chain, it will probably not be successful because like, if you just launch the exact same general purpose chain as as the existing ecosystems, you know, like it, it, it will, you will be competing against the the the, the already trending uh, networks with momentum. And the EV hard. and the but, EVMs, right? That that's yeah. kind of what happened uh, with yeah, EVM networks. The, yeah, with EVM, I like. Um, I, I don't think anything else, but EVM currently like makes sense for for smart contracts because we have this really powerful ecosystem of tooling of uh, of the code of libraries around EVM. So like, you, like if it, it, it will be hard, right? If you if you're building something completely different, this is what alternative L1s have discovered, and this is what alternative rollups are currently discovering that are not based on EVM. But that that that's put aside. Uh, if you are an EVM, you can still innovate in interesting ways. You can say maybe you are uh, building something that uh, uh, takes privacy to the new level, and specifically on the, on this chain. Or maybe you're you're doing something interesting with a sequencer or MEV layer. But you have to differentiate somehow. You have to do something differently. If you're doing something differently, I think it makes sense. So, uh, and the best way for you to do something differently is like not to reinvent the wheel. But take something like take a good base, something like zk stack that is battle tested, that is we invested millions of dollars in security and security audits in, in security contests. We have like big dedicated teams working on efficiency, on decentralization, on uh, uh, on, on like on all aspects of security. Like we're we're very paranoid. We're very deeply uh, having the security mindset embedded in all um, like in all stages of the design and implementation and testing and rollout process. So like. Why replicate all of that if you can take that as a modular stack, as a framework, and then you can just tweak on specific things. Like you, you just replace the sequencer or you just make the sequencer better in some ways, or you just like 
change the data availability mode and you say like, I'm gonna keep it to myself and then I'm gonna do privacy application around like whatever I, I need there, right? Uh, this is how I would see it. Thanks for that. Yeah, as you kind of um, wrap up here in the final minutes, I wish we had another hour, but uh, when, when you're done scaling the, uh, the, the world and uh, implementing ZK technology from everything from finance to uh, social media to hyperchains, gaming, derivatives, all types of app, app applications, what's, what's a passion project or a cool use case that you would like to see built out um, or that you'd be interested in building out your, yourself uh, that is available because of this technology? Uh, it, it's really like we, I cannot talk about specific applications because we have a very uh, sacred uh, culture of credible neutrality. I don't want to, to, to we, we're never going to make kings and, and like prefer ones over the others. We want to, the guessing to be completely even playing field where everyone can do things better. And like, it doesn't matter if you're a big existing project or a newcomer, you always have a chance to play it even. Uh, I will talk about generic concepts that, that, that I really like, uh, that I don't see being embraced to, the, to its full. And I think this is a huge potential if someone is going to be doing that. And they, obviously, if, if someone is first and just build something new from scratch, uh, we will be endorsing them. We'll, we will help this project. We will like spread the word. We'll, we'll push the idea that look, this, here's a new use case. Here's a new approach. Uh, take a look at that. Um, what I really want to see built more is the... Um, applications leveraging the uh, all the superpowers of native account abstraction. So, like you can you can think of um, building wallets or or just like protocols that allow you to like for example replace a bank, which offer you all the functions that you have in a bank, where you can create sub accounts. You can create a you know like a family account and then you give it to your kids or spouse or whoever with some spending limits or daily spending limits. You can create um, uh, session keys where like you 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 you, you like you kind of like on, just on this browser you can do certain things in your game in, in in your like NFT project, but like you don't have to log in every time. You only send the message once and then this the session key is stored in the browser. And you do everything like web two way, like really easily with just one click, but you cannot do a lot of harm. Things like this. And thanks for that. Uh, I appreciate your time. I feel like this was extremely educational. Um, learned quite a bit about um, just ZK and what you're building at ZK Sync. So thank you for this. Um, and yeah, man, it was, it, was, it was a pleasure. We look forward to fulfilling our, our role in the space and just kind of educating as much as we can. Um, so... Yeah, it was a pleasure. Uh, it was uh, really cool. Thank you guys for great questions. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Alex. This is fun. Thanks for listening to the DeFi by Design podcast. And a big thank you to all of our sponsors for their support. Please check them out in the links below, as well as on our website and in our newsletter. We'll be back with more exciting guests and insights. Until then, stay curious, stay informed, and keep designing the future of DeFi.